Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Extraordinary People. Uh, this is the podcast where I talk to extraordinary people which I met in my life that can give insight, that can help you with your life and give insight on topics that you might be interested in. So I'm just going to start, go straight into it. Today we have uh, an amazing physiotherapist. Uh, her name is Candice. Um, her, na- her handle is actually called Nurture Your Vagina. And we're going to be discussing sexual health. Um, so it's really going to be an interesting one today. Just going to wait for her to join. Um, and then we can go straight into the chat. Um, yeah, so while we have in the chat, please feel free to uh, post questions because it will direct the conversation as well. Because as much as I might not have time to reply to your questions, um, I will try and go back to your questions at a later stage and have her address them. Or as usual with the podcast, I will post this on Apple, uh, Apple, Spotify, um, Apple, Spotify, um, a lot of options. Um, it will be there and IGTV, YouTube. Um, so feel free to ask questions at that stage or wherever you're listening to the, to this act. And I will forward those messages to her, uh, to answer. So I'm just going to wait for her to join. She's going to join in at two. I know I did come in a little earlier, so just going to wait for her to join and then we can go straight into this discussion. If there's any questions, because I came in earlier, if there's any questions you have for a physiotherapist who specializes in sexual health, uh, please ask them now so I can have them ready for when the chat starts. Um, So you have free ground. If you haven't checked out the previous episodes, uh, the last conversation I had was with the Olympic skater Kule Ngubani. And we talked about stereotypes and his whole experience and his development as a pro skater and breaking stereotypes and how stereotypes have uh, shaped his life and his perspective and how he deals with them and how he overcomes and how he becomes better as a person. It's quite an interesting chat. Um, there's also chats that I have here with uh, with doctors, um, engineers, so feel free to check the other episodes. And I think uh, Candice has just joined us. So let's just go live. I'm just letting her connect right now. And then we go straight into the discussion. Hi, Candice. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm good. And you? Very good. Thank you so much. Cool, cool. Yeah, Lovely I think to I... see you again. Good to see you, good to see you too. Yes, yes. Correct. Yeah, okay. I think I, I think I joined in a little earlier than you did. Um, so I was just like addressing people about the previous episodes and how to like follow the podcast and so forth. But uh, let me not hold you up anymore. Uh, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, tell us who you are and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me once again. So for those of you that don't know me, seeing that this is on your profile and not mine, My name is uh, Candice Langford. I'm a physiotherapist, um, but I have a special interest in something quite unique in this world. Um, That's pelvic and sexual health. So 
You might think, what on earth does a physio have to do with pelvic and sexual health? So essentially, just like any other muscle in your body can become dysfunctional, weak, injured, painful, you know, not very functional, so too can your pelvic floor. So your pelvic floor is a sling of muscles that lies kind of between your legs. So if you're sitting on your sit bones and if you feel between your legs, you're sitting on your pelvic floor. So those muscles can become dysfunctional just like any other. And when they do, we need to reach out for help. Problem is, is the type of issues that come up with, with regards to the pelvic floor are so taboo that oftentimes these things are left untreated. So yeah. that's things like, Leaking urine, constipation, sexual pain, sexual discomfort, lack of orgasm, anorgasmia, um, really, really vulva pain, um, prostatitis, those types of things that will, will prostatitis type symptoms. Those are the things that, that come up when we, when we are dealing with pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and it's just yeah. because they're so difficult to speak about, that's why I started this page, this Nurture Your Vagina is the name of my Instagram hand handle. And um, I did so so that we can start to normalize this narrative so we can speak out loud and proud and increase the likelihood of individuals seeking help when they need it. So that's me, I'm a physio, and then I've got Nurture Your Vagina on the side where I do um, lab events like this, yeah. speaking out, advocating for pelvic health, sexual health, and um, some events, and I've done some amazing collaborations and online courses. I've just launched a course called Pain to Pleasure. So that's helping individuals that are struggling with sexual pain, taking, taking them from a painful experience and helping guide them over to a pleasurable experience so that sex is no longer painful, but rather something that's pleasurable and desirable and enjoyable for both parties or all parties, however many partners are involved. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's a judgment-free pelvic and sexual health platform. That's what I'm trying to create. That's amazing. That's amazing stuff. And I think, especially with this podcast, um, I don't know if I properly described it to you, is it's basically I just want to talk to people who might not uh, be famous or might not be the most well-known, but uh, extraordinary people to me, at least. And, and I find uh, your page is very insightful. And, and it's insightful in the sense that you are addressing issues, like you said, are so taboo. And people are so scared to like, just say them, and let alone uh, talk about it. And, and I, I want to just touch on uh, what, you, what you addressed there when you said uh, sexual health. Um, yeah. What 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 is sexual health like? Can we just like according to your your perspective? I know you did touch on it, but I just like give us your definition. What does sexual health look like to you, especially in twenty twenty one? Sure. So yeah. So sexual health, just like it can be hard for people to relate to. So if you relate it to health in any other standpoint, I mean, mental health is also something that's so incredibly taboo. But if you're looking at your physical health. Your physical health, so with regards to your fitness, your well-being, you want to be um, well-connected to what your goals are. What does yeah. health look like for me when it comes to my physical health? What does health look like for you as an individual? Because we're all so unique when it comes to your sexual health. That's where mm. we need to start making it so relatable and so real. You know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon that people ask me this question of, what do you mean? Like, what is sexual health? 
And that's what we need to establish for the individual as, as a unique person. What does your physical health look like for you? What is your goal? What are you trying to get to? That is where we need to look at sexual health. What is your goal? What do we need to get to? So it's hard to, and I don't ever like to really give blanket prescriptions as to what sexual health is, but it's health and well-being in a holistic manner. So every exactly. aspect that contributes to your sexual well-being is going to be contributing to your sexual health. So that is, you know, are you happy? Are you feeling like you are ticking the boxes of pleasure? Do you feel like your libido or your desire to engage in intercourse is healthy? Is it what you want it to be? Is there any distress with regards to your symptoms? So are you feeling like you're not ticking those boxes or are you not really bothered by the fact that you never want to have sex? You know, mm. is it distressing? If that, if there is distress, then that is a sign that something's not right and we need to do something about yes. it. So it's feeling comfortable and confident and knowledgeable as to what your unique sexuality might be. So your sexuality is how you as an individual express and experience your sexual life or your sexual, you know, whatever you want to, what it wanted to make up of. Mm. Um, so sexual health would be feeling as though you're ticking those boxes without distress. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes complete sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to the viewers or people, <laughs> watching, but it makes complete sense to me. Um, and I, I love the way you quantify it in a way that it's, it's, it's a personal experience and it's based on uh, your personal uh, goals because I feel like people put pressure on themselves in, in, in a lot of aspects, not just health, based on what other people expect of them or what other people are experiencing and forget about listening to what their personal uh, experience and goals are. And, and the fact that you just put it in perspective is that you shouldn't feel pressure. If, if you're a person who, say, who says, I'm okay with not having uh, sexual experiences and that's, that's okay for me and I'm happy in that, in that state, it's not an issue. You know, it's not something you need to address. It's, it's you. Um, but if you feel distressed, or you feel anxiety, or you feel something like, oh, why don't I enjoy sex like everyone else enjoys sex? And why is this? And it's something that's bothering you. You should address it and get help in, in, in sorting that out. And that's a nice way of looking at things. Um, with that said, I, what is the biggest obstacle that you've, you've dealt with with clients in terms of the whole taboo? Uh, status of them being open enough to talk about the experiences and what they want um, is it is it cultural is it is it is it personal is it, is it just like yeah like you can explain what you've dealt with in the past and how can we address that and help people be more open to talking about things like this yeah so the biggest thing I would say that hinders individuals from, from ticking this box of sexual health that I've seen in patients is the delay in seeking help. Mm. So people go years, 10, 14, 20 years experiencing something, for example, pain during intercourse, pain during mm. penetrative sex. And just because it's so taboo, they have not been to seek help. And it can be something that's so simple. It, can, it might be resolved in three sessions with me or three sessions or some education and there their problem is, is resolved. So if that delay in seeking help, that is where we have 
just so many barriers to people being able to experience their life, their sexual well-being holistically and comprehensively. So 100% the moment you said that, my biggest issue is just how long it takes people to feel comfortable to seek help. We've got to change that. And this is how we change it, by speaking confidently and comfortably and using an amazing platform like yours and an amazing voice. And I'm not just speaking about singing, but in your voice, your, your, <laughs> your, your platform that you've got, people are listening to you. They value your opinion. So when more and more people value looking at sex and sexual well-being and health, holistically and paying it the attention it needs and upbringing it, you know, it bringing it up in conversation, the more yeah. people are going to be comfortable to go to their GP or their gynae or whoever it may be and just say, listen, like you've told me I must just suck it up and have a glass of wine and get over my pain. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. I need yeah. more from you, Dr. X, Y, and Z. I need you to tell me what to do about this because I'm going to be here as a patient advocating for my sexual well-being. And unfortunately, I hear this a lot. Patients are often told it's normal yeah. for women to experience pain. You must just have a glass. Just relax. Just let your partner do what they need to do. That is not yeah. good enough. So the more we speak about it, the more people feel like, hey, of course, I've got a right to pleasure. I'm going to advocate for that. And I'm going to keep on going until I find someone that's willing to listen and help me with my concerns. Yeah, that's... That's amazing because, I mean, yeah, like that's that's exactly what I'm like. This me using my platform is basically to give voices or give at least a, a bigger voice to people like you who have the know-how and can actually help people in situations where they don't, they might not have any idea that they need that help. Um, and I know this because from my personal experience, I've learned a lot of things from. Uh, social media and YouTube and and basically just being able to like not be scared to like just look for the information uh, I've been able to help myself and get further in where I am in my journey my personal journey of happiness and and fulfilling and taking care of my health um, but I know that a lot of people don't necessarily feel comfortable with following like a nurture your vagina page and <laughs> might find it easier to follow me uh, as Aon Wolf. And then if they come across something that's important, like what you're sharing on your page, they might now feel comfortable because say, hey, if Aon Wolf can talk about it, why am I feeling some weird way about it? You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's kind of my little way of, of breaking the ice for people, um, especially on like heavy subjects like this. Um, with 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 the subject, uh, I think I want to step to the next next part. I always try and uh, get people to give a step by step, or just something that's like tangible that they can do to better their their situation. Especially when you're talking about a topic like health and sexual health, what are the highest recommendations that you could uh, give someone that they could do every day to take care of their sexual health? Sure. So um, such such a valuable question. And I, I really appreciate that you you want, you know, a step by step for, for people so that they can start making the changes now. Um, yeah. I just want to touch on something that you said, you know, sometimes people don't know that it's a problem. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I, I've said time and time again is you don't know what you don't know. 
Um, and, and people, we put, we so hard on ourselves for that time when we realize, oh, okay, I can go and speak, um, seek help from someone like Candace. Um, you know, and then we, then we beat ourselves up and like, why have I done this? This is my fault. I'm in pain. It's my fault. But if what I would, I would just want to kind of normalize and, and make people feel a little bit more comfortable in their current experience and the fact that it might be 10 years down the line of having pain and you haven't seen, gone to seek help. But mm. usually what makes people feel better is when we say this, you don't know what you don't know, so you can't be hard on yourself. What matters is that you're doing something now and that the moment you are, it's brought to your attention, that's when you act on it and you, you see yourself as someone that's deserved of change, deserved of this positive um, you know, influence on, on, your, on your experiences now. But before yeah. I go on a tangent, it's, <laughs> let me just answer your question. So the first thing would be to, to get people to start working on their sexual well-being in general would be to get to know your unique sexuality. So I said sexuality before, it's the way you experience yourself as a sexual being and express yourself as a sexual being. So now acknowledging that your unique sexuality is completely different to anyone else around you. It's based on how you were brought up, the opinions that were given to you, what you soaked up, the experiences that you've had, and now how you express yourself. So mm. some people are into, you know, pain with pleasure. Some people really only like, you know, a, a certain environment when they're engaging in intimacy. Some people are very strict about having one partner. Other people feel very confident and comfortable having multiple partners. You need to be comfortable and confident about your unique sexuality. But you can't get to that point if you don't know what your unique sexuality is. So do some self-reflection. Really figure out what, what, what is your definition of sex? What is your definition of what feels good in an intimate environment? Reflect on it. Write it down. Journal it. See, what do I want? What do I need? What's, what is good for me? And what do I want to do for a partner? And what do I want that partner to do for me in order to make me feel as though I've ticked all my boxes with regards to sexual well-being? Yeah. And then become confident and comfortable in that. And be, you know, you know, feel as though you can live that to its, uh, to its full because that is when we feel like we really are, you know, just these sexually satisfied individuals. So... Number one, get to know your unique sexuality. Number two would be communication. Communication about sex is so important. Yeah. One, with yourself. Two, with a practitioner. Three, with your partner or partners. Being comfortable to, to advocate for what you want and say when things aren't right and to seek you know, guidance on something. Like, how can I help you better? How can I be better for you? This is what I would like for me. Or you want to engage in intimacy three times a week. That doesn't really work for me. I don't really, you know, being comfortable mm -hmm. talking about sex. So there's two ways that you can start talking about sex. One we call coffee table talk. So coffee table talk are the more difficult, more serious conversations that you might have with someone where you're establishing what works for you, what doesn't work for you, how frequently you might want to engage in intimacy, what's important within that context. And then 
there's another one called pillow talk. So pillow talk is what you do after intimacy. So this is when you praise your partner. You don't really want to say to your partner, I didn't like when you did this because that really bruises yeah. our egos, right? Instead, you want to focus on positive reinforcement. Even if there was something in that, in that engagement that you were like, I don't think I knew what they, I don't think they know what they were doing. But mm. let me rather focus on the part where they did know and praise them for that because then they're most likely going to do that more. So coffee table talks are had at the coffee table. They are not for in the bed. You don't want to associate the bedroom with these difficult, you know, challenging conversations. Mm. They are had at the coffee table. They're serious because this is something that is serious and we should take seriously. And then pillow talk is in bed after intimacy, praising your partner in, in, ho in a hope to kind of get that positive reinforcement. Yeah. Um, third would be your body image. Working on your body image. We know that body image has a direct influence on your sexual satisfaction. So mm. if you are struggling with body image, what can you do to help you feel more comfortable in your own skin? Because intimacy is a vulnerable situation. We feel like we're really being naked with a partner. And I don't mean that just like in a skin sense naked. We really feel as though we are exposing ourselves emotionally, physically, mentally to a partner. And we want it to be this beautiful engagement. We speak about it being a dance between two people, you know, just being fluid and happy and, you know, expressing oneself however that is, however that works for you. And if we can be more comfortable in our own skin and do the mental, the physical, the emotional work to be comfortable in ourselves, it usually helps to complement encouraging and bringing up the, the sexual satisfaction for, for that person. And then I think finally would be um, seeking help. If something's not right, if you don't know the answers, ask for help. There are yeah. people like myself, there's sexologists, there's psychologists, there's medical doctors, there's gynecologists, there's urogynecologists that are all passionate about yeah. helping. And all it means is that you have to just reach out and phone or call or make an appointment. You know, people spend thousands of rands on their hair, hundreds of rands on their nails every couple of weeks, you know, so yeah. much money on food and clothes and having a drink at a bar. You know, if you are struggling, it's about, you know, you know, either going on a platform like mine, which is full of free information, yeah. or investing in an appointment and, and finding out what it is that you're going to need to help you. Um, and not feeling alone because you're not alone. You really, yeah. whoever it is, whatever it is, you're not alone and you're not the only person that's struggling with that. And someone out there, might be me, might be someone else, is there to help. That's, I think that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 definitely amazing. Like you, you gave a very step by step uh, forward uh, plan for people to address um, their sexual health. Uh, there, there's uh, there's something that you touched on on uh, the last uh, point. There's these different um, gynecologists, uh, sexologists. Uh, physiotherapist there's these different uh so many different people who help uh, deal deal with this with, with this issue uh who who is the type of, who's the person that you if you having issues with sexual health um what's your first point of of contact because usually you know like when you feel sick or you or you don't, you don't enjoy something you say okay i need to go to my gp and my gp will then direct me to 
I actually need to see the specialist or I need to, to, to go to the hospital. I need to do, like, what's your first, if you're feeling discomfort during, during sex, for example, mm-hmm. you're not enjoying sex um, and, or there's something that you have an issue with, who's the first person you should, should be seeing or contacting or does it make a difference or it doesn't make a difference? So it, it can be tough because referrals to someone like a pelvic health practitioner, um, they're still not the greatest around the world. I hear people uh, internationally speaking about how, how, you know, the referral isn't the greatest yet because not many people know that pelvic floor physios exist. Um, so typically, if you haven't been for uh, your pap smear, if you have if you've, uh, individual if you're um, vulvar vaginal anatomy, if you haven't been for a pap smear, if you haven't had a checkup, in South Africa, we typically go for pap smears every two years. If you haven't done that, and um, that is a concern, then that's the place to start. Start with your GP or your gynecologist and go and have that checkup. It might be because of an underlying infection. It might be something else. You just need to have that looked at anyway. So typically what, what we like to say is that if it's a deeper, if it's pain, if it's a deeper pain, if it's persistent, if nothing's making it better, then you would need to start with um, a medical doctor to, to do assessments there. Because there might need to be a scan, etc. cetera. Um, and then those practitioners, the GPs, the, the um, gynecologists, the urogynecologists, those medical doctors should be referring. But unfortunately, they don't always do so. It is getting better, but it's not always the case. So they should be saying, okay, medically, your bloods are fine, your ultrasound's fine, um, hormones, etc profile looks great let's you're still experiencing pain i'm going to send you to a sexologist so um these psychosexual um therapists or psychologists if you feel as though there's an anxiety component to it if there's an experience of trauma in your background that you're struggling to process you need to think through you need someone to help you get past a certain experience then that's when you would go to um a a psychologist that's got a, a special interest in sexual health and then if there's if there's any instance of persistent pain that would be when i would say go to a physiotherapist that has studied the pelvic and sexual health realm and um, within that realm because not all physios do what i do i mean i don't fix toes and fingers and shoulders um i fix pelvis and jaw and this is my region within this uh, so 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 make sure the physio that you do go to so if you're really not sure then send me an email and i will try my best to guide you oh. um there's a team that i work with if if the individuals here in south africa there's a team called the my sexual health team and that's people that you know are, have special interest in sexual health. And there's doctors, there's psychologists, there's um, psychosexual therapists, all sorts of things, okay. and physiotherapists that are um, in that team. And then you know that those people have a special interest. So you could pretty much start with anyone on that list. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's okay. That, 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 makes, that makes sense to me. So um, with that said, uh, what made you get into the whole field of to pick uh, pelvic, because uh, like you said, you're not like other physiotherapists who deals with toes and shoulders, which is the most common. And you just said like yours is very niche and seems very like last resort. And <laughs> what what made you pick it? Like I like I love to understand the thinking behind it. 
Yeah, so I would say two things. So I first studied marine biology and ecology. So I, I went to UCT yeah. and that's, that was my, my interest. And when I was doing that, I was quite interested in um, one of our subjects called ecology. And we went and we looked at rep the reproductive, you know, in the um, life systems in the in the in the animal kingdom and i found that absolutely fascinating just looking at um uh, reproduction in in a variety of different species and i wanted to get into that in some way so way back when i was studying marine biology and ecology that's what i was interested in um and i probably would have gone into to farming or something like that i don't know um and then i started studying number of reasons i started studying physiotherapy so i finished that and i started studying physio and we we have a lecture we have about three weeks worth which is probably like six lectures in total about pelvic health in our in our physiotherapy degree and in in the class of about i think there was like 42 of us or something yeah. there was two of us that were interested in this lecture and i loved it i absolutely loved it i was a little bit shy about the fact that i loved it because i was the only one and it was still so to do and people were yeah. like giggling and laughing every time she said sphincter in the classroom um <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so and i was just like wide-eyed and like very very eager so the moment i finished physiotherapy i tried to to get into pelvic health as soon as i could and wherever i could and it's pretty much just been from you know, from the marine biology side, going through my, my first couple of years in physiotherapy, I just, I've just loved it. I find it absolutely fascinating. I feel like this, this pelvic and sexual health world is, it's a community that's really underserved. And it's also a growing, it's a growing profession. It's quite new. So there's lots of new research and lots of new resources coming out. You know, we're making links to neuroscience and menstrual cycles and we're looking mm. deeper and further and it's just, it's just new and growing and super exciting. And also, I just really can't imagine myself standing on the side of a rugby field strapping. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's never, ever appealed to me. So, um, yeah, this, where's, this is just really right up my alley. I've loved it from the get-go. <laughs> so no super exciting ways in, yeah. in which I got involved, but... Um, it's just been a passion from the moment I found out that this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, because that's funny. I had, I had a friend who was a physiotherapist and his dream was to, to, to work for Chelsea uh, <laughs> on the sidelines and be one of the doctors and the sidelines to helping the, the players. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting story how you got into it. And I mean, I want to change the, the subject a little bit and go into more um, like the idea of you following your passion uh, versus uh, the the monetary gain or the did you have any fear uh, of, of pursuing something that seemed like it's not popular or doesn't seem like it's a big uh, or popular industry did you have any fears like that and say like, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to make a living doing something that's so niche or so different? Uh, was there fear to it or was it just strictly like, I love it. I don't care about the money. I don't care about how did you deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, there was definitely, there was definitely, I mean, 
we all need to make money. It's not that we want to, we need to, we need it to survive, right? Um, and that was definitely a component to it. But I think most physiotherapists, just the type of physiotherapists, the type of people that we are is that we want to help. We, mm. we, we go, we bend over backwards to help our patients in whatever way we can. And um, for me personally, I felt as though this community was so underserved. So I just, I just wanted to help. I wanted to try and help these people that are struggling with sexual pain um, in whatever way I could. So it was at the back of my head, but I think my passion and my need to help and my need to get involved and my kind of what felt like a calling, I felt like I didn't have any other option. The moment I went into this field, it just felt as though everything kind of fell in line. It was where I was meant to be. You know, I had really amazing opportunities with regards to finding somewhere to rent to open up my practice when I first opened up my own practice. And then, you know, it just it just happened and it just felt as though I'm walking the right path. I'm doing exactly what I mean to, meant to be doing yeah. because it was just coming so naturally and I'm still so kind of fired up about it. Um, so it was definitely more about following my passion than being fearful. And, you know, when I... I grew, I grew up with a lot of, uh, a lot of financial strain and constantly worrying about money. Mm. Um, and I decided when I first started making money that I was not going to let, I was not going to worry about money another day, especially following my passion. And when I've stuck to that mindset, I haven't needed to, or yeah. of, of course, you know, it's not always easy, but, but because I've changed my focus, I've, I've switched my focus from stressing about, am I, I need to get another patient. I mean, people, I, I'd rather get patients because people can see that I'm passionate about what I do and, and mm. I want to help. I don't know. I don't know how to put that into words. I've never really spoken about it um, um, to anyone, but I did this. I made a decision that I'm not going to focus on money. I'm not going to focus on financial strain. If the practice is quiet, it's quiet for a reason. It's a, t mm. a time and opportunity for me to focus on my studies, focus on something else. If people cancel, mm. I'm like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's a day where I can I can relax a little bit because we'll pick up later. I don't want to yeah. focus on not making money on that day because um, it, it's passion. Yeah, I think that's what most passionate people about their careers feel. Yeah. And that's 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 amazing how you how you how you touched on it because um, there's another episode we dealt with in this podcast uh, where I'm not sure who was which I think I was talking to the, to Steve Gray who's an engineer and we were talking about seasons and how to like um, treat yourself as an organic being versus a machine and and what you just spoke about is basically. I think you were just doing it unconsciously. You weren't doing it like on purpose, but it's basically treating yourself like an organic being, which is there's a time for you to make money, but you shouldn't worry about that because there's a time for you just to be a seed in the ground and grow roots and something that's not visible, something that other people won't understand. And you need to let your time just absorb the sun and let the sun nourish you as, as, as a plant and you will grow and keep growing. You might not bear fruits in this time in this point but if you just trust the process you will obviously at some point bear fruits and there's a season for everything and you just need to live that way versus treating yourself like a machine which is like a set output if i'm not getting this output there's something wrong break mm. the machine we need to get something in here we need to change something we need you know like machines are built a certain way where you need an instant results it's like if it's not 
delivering its output right now, there's something wrong with it. And yeah. we've started treating ourselves as machines. Human beings have this mentality of seeing ourselves as machines. If we're not getting these numbers, if 100 patients are not walking in every month, then there's something wrong. I need to change the whole practice. I need to rethink what I'm doing. I need to start focusing on, on closing clients and not, and not addressing my passion or, or improving my skills and, and maybe just learning or taking time for myself. And that mentality has now made us more into machines and ignoring that. And I think that's why a lot of people are unhappy because we're not machines. And yeah. We need to stop treating ourselves as machines or at least uh, assessing ourselves as machines with this whole um, numbers-orientated living. Um, and just listening to yourself. And th the fact that you did that, that's amazing. That you just listen to your passion to say, hey, if something happens, uh, I don't get clients today. It's not a train smash. You know, the, it happens for a reason. I need to just take care of myself go study go do something else you know like mm. th that that is the best way of living that's what i've learned the hard way is the best way of living yeah, is yeah. not to be controlled by these uh these world standards of saying you know you need to have a certain amount of money or a certain amount of possessions by this age and by this time mm. or if this is not doing this for you then completely leave it it's it, it's it's not it's not it's not how we are supposed to be as humans i think we we need to start listening to our bodies listen to ourselves a lot more and just focus on being happy and throughout this whole chat it seems like that's what you've done with your life and i find that amazing extraordinary mm -hmm. uh, excuse the pun that hence you on the episode um in closing i just want to give you an opportunity to like just share something that you feel uh, passionate about that people need to know it's some insight that you want to share um and then yeah then we can just close it off from there uh yeah definitely i, I just want to say you know i really value that that analogy that you just made uh, i really like that and i think that's exactly exactly what i was trying to say so thank you for putting in putting it so beautifully i love i love the analogy of the tree and you know going through different seasons and being okay with those seasons because one season can't happen without the other yes <laughs> um, <laughs> we need those seasons and we definitely are not machines i really really love that uh, i'll definitely remember that for the next time um okay so i think what i should share is my i was reflecting just the other day on on my purpose and what message i want to portray and I wanted to come up with like kind of the pillars, the pillars that are, I need to, I, I want to use my, my page for purpose. I yeah. want it to be adding value. Um, I know I'm giving free information and that's really valuable to some people, but I still want to be adding value to a greater cause. And I, I decided it's already been kind of happening. I really do work with these people, but I feel as though I need to kind of put it in concrete. So those three pillars that I feel I'm going to consistently work with would be, and I would love everyone else to pay a little bit of attention to these things because they are so, so prevalent in the world, not just in South Africa. And that yeah. is standing up for gender-based violence and increasing the awareness and 
making positive change wherever we can. So for that, I work with a brand called Sprint for Her SA, and we do all we can to create awareness um, for that. And I will continue working with anyone that works against gender-based violence in whatever way. And then the, the second thing is working to eradicate period poverty because it shouldn't be a thing and it is a thing and women and girls should not be using socks and toilet paper I mean, and newspaper mm. and all sorts of things to, to manage their menstrual cycle. And then the third thing is sexual pain. Working to educate and empower individuals to live a pleasurable life and not a painful life when it comes to their intimate, um, intimate life. So those are the three things that I really just want to make sure that they're kind of more obvious on my page, more obvious in my purpose, more obvious in, in what I intend to do in the long term um, with, uh, with this little platform that I've got. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th thank you. That's amazing. Like if you ever need support or any kind of help with those things, I'm available. Oh, uh, I had no doubt. I had no doubt. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's amazing that you've, made that decision to to serve those purposes those those three pillars that you just you just pointed at and i think if everyone could just look at their personal lives and their personal uh journeys or, or stories and just decide like what can they impact the world in a positive way for going going forward uh the world would be a much better place and it's those little steps that make the difference you know just to be able to sit down with yourself and say hey these are the three things that I can do or that I can add myself to, to make the world better. Um, that, that, that's amazing. Um, thank you so much. I'm not going to hold you up any longer. I really appreciate you. your time. I know you usually will consult with people during these times and I'm sorry for taking that time away from you, but hopefully this will help uh, a lot more people out there because that's, that's my, my my way of that's why I created this podcast is my way of helping people because where where this sits whether it's on Apple on Apple Podcasts on the Spotify podcast on YouTube wherever someone listens to this and it does help them even like a little bit then it's done its job you know whether it's does it ten years time or five years time or next week it's doing its job and 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 that's that's why I want to create as many of these episodes as I can so that your voice can impact an actual life out there. And I think it definitely will. And I really appreciate that you've given your voice to this platform. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm so grateful to be here and have this opportunity. Never, ever apologize for creating this <laughs> opportunity for me. Thank you so much, Owen. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And with that said, we can sign out. That's uh, Bye. 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 The episode of extraordinary people uh yeah awesome person um awesome lady please follow her page it's called nurture your vagina and yeah you can might learn something out there uh with that i am signing out a1 wolf